everybody on the entrepreneurship journey, everybody talks about this, like the moments. It ain't even this moment. It's a collection of moments. And it'll give you life. And you might go two weeks without one. Two, three weeks, it'll be shitty. It'll be like, damn, am I moving? You know, like, tired as hell. I'm tired. I'm tired, fam. I need a rest. I need a rest. What? Am I against the tide? Am I swimming with the tide or against the tide? I just must not be swimming at all. Man, and then when you get that joke, if you believe in higher power like me, if you, you know, whatever, whatever you believe in, like, when you get that joke, you get that wave and you feel it. That is evidence that you are you're doing it like this is a valuable journey. Keep going. So when you get when the email come through, just go like oh, and then just chill for a second. Just like let that just breathe on that. Mm-hmm. What I'm a victim of, I'll get the wave, I'll get the moment, and I'm like shit. Where the other moment? And I'm like mm-hmm. a junkie for it, you know. Like shit, let's get another one. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta chill and be like, okay, thank you know, say thanks and see when the next one comes. It's history. It's what my mother didn't do. Mm, It's what my grandmother didn't do. It's a team. It's a team. Mm -hmm. It's a movement. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than both of us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bay ting, yeah. It's a bay ting. It's a bay ting, yeah. It's for friends all around the world, for sure. Yeah. Cool, it's a look, for sure. It's a look. 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 Do you have a look? I have a look. Do you have a look? It's a look. Do you have a look? Mm-hmm. Do you have a look? Do you have a look? I have a look. It's a look into culture. It's a look into tech. It's a look into movement. Are you confident to look? Yeah, I'm pretty confident to look. I'm confident to look. Yo, it's Marcus Carey, co-founder of Homage Hospitality. Hotels that pay homage to black culture. I'm here with Freedom. I'm here with Jenna Dominique. It's a look. Today it's a look. It's a look <laughs> with dot us. You hear me? <laughs> That's coming for really both y'all. Stylist, agent. I, I just kind of feel that in the air for you too. Manifest. We're gonna put the call to action out to the whole audience today. Hey, stylist, get in touch. If you want to intern with when these cameras turn on, I'm ready. He's he's gonna go in. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, ready. Look, whatever you want to get figured out, like in the world, we can manifest it today. Okay. Yeah, I like think really. you are planting seeds I didn't even know I needed. I'm like, stylist? Yeah, actually, <laughs> I'm ready. But the kind to bring you things, not the kind to dress you. They're going to bring me things, and they're also going to put together some solid looks. Yeah, I want They're going to push me even further. Mm. They're going to push it. Jenna's going to be in bubble wrap in 2019. I'm telling you. <laughs> I sent her a picture um, that woman. I was like, yeah, on her tiptoes, just gliding. I I always thought she's the future. She is futuristic. This is me. What's the name of that award? Rihanna always wins. CD CFDA. CFDA. Yeah. Future. I'm trying to be. That's you. Yes. What award would I want to win? Matt Gala Jenna. Come on. Probably like model of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Who? You. See. Yo. Okay. Me, she's me. Yo, model, model of the year. Why not comedian? They don't have one of those, do they? Yeah, yeah. That's super subjective. You'll never really get it. They don't no. have comedian of the year. Model of the year, though. That's a whole award. Are you trying to model that tough? I mean, I'm trying to get awards that tough. Okay. <laughs> I feel you. I feel that. I feel Why you. not? 
All stylists. Brilliant idea. All stylists, aspiring stylists, reach out. Jenna Dominique, you know, Listen. wants to, you know, wants to work with you. She wants to wear your brand for free. Send neck, send clothing. Interested in dressing Jenna? <laughs> free, to, free to do, by the way. I mean, free to go for some clothes too, by the way. Send that shit. Wow. You look good. I don't know if you need a stylist. Jenna is a stylist. Yeah. But you do want free clothes. I mean, Jenna styles herself. She don't want a free style, but she does want free clothes. She wants free clothes. Fashion Nova, shout out. No. Wait till I get my nigga Nova going. It's going to be ridiculous. Nigga Nova. <laughs> Wait till I It's I... coming out this summer. I'm thotting this summer. Wait till you see me, boy. It's going to be crazy. Crop tops. I hear uh, no crop tops are coming back. I got to do some work on the stomach to get the crop top going. But uh, we're going to have some, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some leggings on for sure. We're going to do leggings. Ooh. You know, I got to show it off. Um, show the cakes. Show the cake. That little strip down the side. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you listen to the radio when you're driving in Never. the morning? Never. No. I listen to the radio. What stations? I listen to all local radio stations in the morning. Really? I listen to 6.1, 102.9. Okay. Yeah. Kimmy T in the morning. I don't know anything about that. Really? Yeah. I don't like the commercials. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It kind of makes me feel old. You know, because when I was a child, my mother would listen to, like, Tom Joyner. And so if I find myself listening to Tom Joyner now, I feel like I'm my mother's age. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know who Tom Joyner is, so maybe you're dating yourself <laughs> All already. All of middle America knows who Tom Joyner is. What, at what demographic of music is that? Uh, this is, like, black uh, oldies. Oh, is it a black person? Yeah, this is a black guy. Tom Joyner? Tom Joyner is the most popular radio personality in black America. I swear, I'm in not kidding. In Central and Middle yeah. America. Yeah, like... Around the way, America. No, Tom Joyner is. I promise. Is that what we're calling Middle America now? Around the way. I don't think. I don't think you're not making. Yeah, there might be people in New Jersey that also know who Tom Joyner is, uh, but trust me, Middle America really knows him. I mean, they go to his cruise every year. He does a cruise from like is Detroit, Biloxi, Mississippi to Miami. Is Detroit Middle America? Oh yeah, Michigan. Definitely. Oh yeah, that's Middle America. Oh, that's where I haven't gone. I need to go. Let's talk about Detroit real quick, because I'm trying to get to Detroit. Are you really? I want to go. I have this real fascination with Detroit. And just like, it's one of the, so underwritten right now. It's probably another Oakland that was really written, going to be written off for many years. And in about 10 years, everybody's about to be in Detroit. And so I'm trying to get there before then. It's already bubbling. It's already really good energy there. Um, And I love Oakland because it feels like my hometown. So... You know, uh, you you'd love it because you find a lot of similarities, and you'd also find like a five hundred dollar one bedroom apartment. So like that that helps too. But <laughs> like, it's cold. Fair. I had a friend who went to the University of Michigan. Actually, they weren't my friend. I knew somebody who went to the University of Michigan, and they were describing to me that they had to walk to class in underground tunnels because it was so cold. Hmm. That they weren't walking outside, but they still had to go to class. And I was like, at what point? Do you just say, what is what is this degree for? Mm, mm. Totally. <laughs> just Skype me in the class, you know? Let's just FaceTime in the class. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? No, totally. I mean, that's why I got out of there. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't. I can't there. imagine you, like, bundled up. Okay. Um, I spent 18 years of my life bundled up. Bubble jackets, you know, like real big bubble jackets. 
I would say they were North Face, but we couldn't quite afford North Face, so it was something like it. South Face. I would say it was Polo, but it was probably like Polo Association. Like, right. Like, something knockoff. <laughs> something knockoff for sure. Burlington Co. Factory. Shout out. He's key. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started I'm at st- Burlington Co. Factory. I'm now. still at Burlington Co. Factory. <laughs> <laughs> who is this man? Tell us who you are. Tell us who you are, damn it. I was going to say, started from the bottom, now is opening a whole ass couplet of hotels. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I love how humble you are because I always tell you you're a big deal, and you're always like, ah, "Come on, I just I'm just out here just doing what I love to do." I just, I, I. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't want it to crash and burn, you know. You know, I don't want to jinx it. I get a little worried sometimes about jinxing and putting it out there before, you know, putting the cart before the horse. Sure. So I kind of want to just be solid like install base done and then like look up and go like okay yeah we really yeah we really did that or walk around like yeah i am a hotelier it really happened mm-hmm. but while we're building it out i'm just kind of like yeah we hope to be hoteliers we hope to get these things open we you know mm-hmm. and we will i've got faith but mm-hmm. well you know i i don't know you know i just um in an effort to keep my mind right just try to walk pretty meekly about it um so July first, first property is opening. Yeah, July first, New Orleans, uh, mm-hmm. the Moor. That's M O O R. We pay homage to uh, Moorish people, Moorish culture, the first people to walk the earth. Mm-hmm. Beautiful property. Uh, I was just there a couple of days ago. I'll be back tomorrow, and we're you know the next three weeks kind of sprinting to get that thing open. A lot of we're doing a labor ourselves for this one because mm-hmm. we want that weekend, which is Essence Festival weekend in New Orleans, to be a big weekend for us. So. That's so exciting. Pause, pause, pause. Yeah. I know y'all have talked before today, but I haven't really been on the conversation. So you dropping weeds out here. You talking about hotels out here, hotelier, hotelier, hoteliers out here. And I had just, for the people who are just tuning in and just getting to know you, first of all, tell them your name and then tell them what you're working on and what the we, what's this we all about? Who? Okay. Okay, Jenna Dominique. Um, so I'm Marcus Carey, uh, co-founder of uh, Homage Hospitality Group. We open hotels that pay homage to uh, black culture globally um, because we think that intersection makes a ton of sense, a place for you to stay, be inspired, be motivated. Uh, and we think the most motivational tools out there are black culture. We see it in the music and the fashion and sort of sports and entertainment. Um, and we think there's a role for it in the place that you uh Travel to lay your head, go get a cup of coffee, stuff like that. So um, we're excited about getting these things open in, a, in roughly a month, and a couple cities are in the pipeline, and we'll kind of take it from there. So you're opening a series of hotels around the world. I remember when I was reading an article about you and about homage, and I was just like, "Wow, this is so cool!" And I think the thing that was cool about it is that this is a very niche thing. Um, working in hotels and hospitality and enjoying it, right? Most people think customer service and they think retail. Um, but you're talking about hospitality and hosting people and really creating, experiencing, uh, creating an experience for people. When was that seed first planted? Yeah, it's um, a great question. Uh, yeah, for me, that kind of seed gets planted at like, call it 10, 11 years old. 
Uh, I grew up on the west side of Detroit, Michigan, and, uh, you know, relatively humble beginnings. My parents worked incredibly hard. Uh, my mother worked uh, for United Airlines, so she worked as a customer service representative herself. Uh, and my uh, my stepfather, who's been in my life since I was uh, roughly two years old, so is my effectively my father. Um, he worked in a plant, uh, in a plant sort of mixing chemicals for, for paint. And uh, so th- those sort of humble beginnings are the background. And um, as you can imagine, if you take a family trip and walk into a Hyatt Regency or something, it's like you're, whoa, mm. what is this kind of thing? And so um, real estate, uh, physical buildings, walking into those and being inspired by spaces, um, that's a 10-year-old, 11-year-old kind of thing for me. And then deciding from there, like, okay, this is cool. I want to open up one of these one day. And it's been a straight line from there. Not, I'm sorry. It's been a crazy line from there till today. Uh, but then when you look at it in totality, you go, I guess it makes sense. You know, I guess those winding roads and changes in a direction ultimately have been a part of somebody else's bigger plan for myself that have led me here. So, um, yeah, you know, it, I'm Jenna, I would assume you got a similar background to myself, pretty humble beginnings. And what was it like for you when you were 10 years old walking into spaces that were just beautiful? I mean, how did that feel as a kid? When you said that, my mind immediately went to walking into a beautiful lobby of a hotel, right? Like beautiful tile grounds or even how you would see the the um, the cartmen, the ones who would take your luggage up at the elevator for you and take it into your room. I just immediately thought of that entire experience um, that's been so romanticized, even like Disneyland resorts and those kind of things. Um, with starting Street Style, with starting my postcard company, I now reflect back on it and realize that even... Even furniture in my home had postage stamps on it, right? Like even after my birthday, I was always writing thank you notes to people. So this thread of writing notes and sending physical things has always been pulled through my life. Mm -hmm. And so I can totally level with you when you said, you know, it started when you were 10. It started when you were going on vacation. Totally. What does that look like now translating that into a business, right? So it may have been something you were experiencing before. Now you're creating experiences for other people. Yeah. How did you make that transition? Uh, sort of still making it, right? Still in the process of sort of making that transition. Uh, one of the sort of biggest uh, factors along that journey has been my co-founder, Damon Lawrence. You know, here's a guy who uh, spent... 10 years working in hospitality for all the biggest brands uh, in multiple markets across the country, D.C. and L.A., um, helped open boutique hotels, worked for big, large flags and brands. Um, and so he knows the sort of ABCs of uh, translating the, our fa- him and I, our favorite experiences into, into a business. And, and so partnering with him uh, and getting sort of walked through how these things work from behind the scenes is sort of that puts us in the right um, the right position to get it done ourselves. It's not without his ten years in a space, it wouldn't even it wouldn't even come together. Um, you know, myself, I'm uh, a finance background, some capital stuff. So I've I've got a business and and finance background that helps to uh, capitalize these things. But um, it's Damon's creative background, a hospitality management background that that uh, you know put the one ones and twos together to to get it to get it done. So. 
So one thing I'm particularly interested in is the notion of co-founding something. So I know what it's like to start something by yourself. Um, And I also know the struggles of adding someone else to something that you've kind of already started to work on. It's different when you found it together, right? So we've been in it, it's a look together since the beginning. But like with Street Salad, it's like, okay, it's been me for a year, right? And so going to another person... Like, what was that process like of adding someone? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Damon can answer it better than me because he started this effort before before sure. me, right? Um, but it's gotta it's it's gotta just start with energy. Mm. It's gotta be about energy before it's about like the uh, the mathematics, the ones and the twos. You know, it's gotta be about just energetically. Are you connecting with the person, spirit to spirit? Um, and so for him, I think he found assistance in. Um, from a confidence perspective, I think uh, walking in the rooms next to me uh, has has provided him. You know, I'm a little bit of a, of a pit bull, and when it comes to this kind of stuff, so um, I think it's provided the kind of help that we needed. It's kind of weird to call myself a pit bull. Yeah, but I know. It's like, it was good. I, I, I saw that. I was like, "Ooh, is he walking in that boardroom?" Just like, "Give me that motherfucking dollars, motherfucker!" I like, "What? Who is this man?" Hey, look, it's I'm real. Like, oh, yeah, so on the, from an energy perspective, that you know, I think I think a, a little boost of confidence, although he's got he's got a ton of it, uh, has been has been helpful from him for him, and then uh, for myself, uh, all kinds of self limiting beliefs, self self doubt, um, and uh, you know, uh, sort of questioning whether or not like are we allowed to do this? Yeah. Damon's got you know Damon comes from a family entrepreneur, so uh, energetically he helps me with. Uh, just a, a fundamental belief that we are right where we're supposed to be. And anything that sort of goes wrong along the path is just a part of the journey. Uh, so energetically, it's huge for the both of us. And when I'm feeling low, he's bringing me back up. When he's feeling low, I'm bringing him back up. Um, so if you, anybody out there is thinking about bringing somebody into something, co-founding something with somebody, energy is the first question. Energy has got to be just energy and spirit has got to be the first question. I think you two know a lot about that. I mean, you were just talking about that today. We were um, acknowledging our incredible team. So everyone who they can't be seen currently, right? We have we have uh, two sound engineers, a video editor, a video producer, cinematographer, and all of them were brought on the team organically. Because we were like, hey, this is the idea. This is where we're looking to gain. Are you even interested in these kinds of things? Are you interested in women of color hosting space and having authentic conversations? Are you interested in, um, you know, candid dialogue? Are you interested in, like, working with people of color and women? And they're all just like, yeah. yeah. And then all the, all the logistical details and all of those things ended up working out because the theme of who we are and the theme of the show works with their core personality. Absolutely. And you just can't write that on a job description either. You can't write that down. No, you can't. You have to have like a one-on-one. Everyone on the team now, like we sat down, took them to dinner, took them to coffee, and was like, okay, who are you? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Mm, yes. We're like, okay, that works. (laughs) It's, it's, It's something you can't even... I, I think it's like watching a sound engineer shake your head like, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> the only thing. That's the only thing you can do. So I think my question is with the co-founding um, and, and the, your different roles, you being the pit bull, as you said, um, you talked about Damon saying that 
you're allowed to be there. And so we, we've talked a bit about the 1% and just you, you being in, being a hotelier and moving in this space where not a lot of black people are like opening properties and, and doing these incredible things. So how, why do you think that you thought that you weren't supposed to be here or that yeah. you shouldn't be opening hotels when, you know, terrible kinds of people open hotels really, and you, and bad people. really bad people are doing all kinds of shit and you're moving so positively. So where do you think that comes from? And how did, how do you and Damon fight that off? That I, kind of self doubt. I think it's fundamentally about whether or not you see someone that looks like you doing it mm. growing up. I think it's fundamentally about that because if it starts with, um, you know, like the, uh, the postage stamps on furniture or on mm, luggage, mm. or if it starts with walking in the lobby at a Hyatt Regency, mm. uh, then the next thing is going to be, okay, well, how do these things get here in the first place? Like, what's this about? And um, and when I found out how those things get there in the first place, 10 times out of 10, it was a white guy. 10 white times guy. out of 10, it was a white guy that got it there um, and a lot of money. And so uh, this was fundamentally a, pr- a part of... Uh, or a solution to a sort of representation problem. It's like, man, we don't see black ownership in this space. Mm-hmm. And hotels are incredibly important to our cities. They're so important. They're so important. I mean, you know, what's your favorite hangout spot? You know, a lot of people like to go sit in a lot, their favorite lobby in the city. Like, this this is a real thing. It's not just for the travelers. It's, um, so these incredibly important spaces, but I didn't see very many black folks running it. I didn't see very many black people running it. So um, that's a part of why you, you ask yourself, like, whether or not you can do it, whether or not it's for you. And uh, we're going to change that. And hopefully some kids growing up, you know, like, I want to open this kind of hotel, you know, take them there. And you'll inspire them. I want to know who is doing it in this space? Who's in the hotel space? Who's dominating the space right now? We love Ace Hotel. If you've ever, you've been to Ace Hotel, yeah. right? Yes. I think you've been, you went to the downtown LA property. Yes, yes. Um, for a conference or something last year. Um, we think Ace is crushing it. We think Ace has packaged up, uh, you know, hipster culture, uh, grunge, rock and roll culture. Frankly, ninety Seattle. Their first property was in Seattle. You, no matter what property you go to, you probably feel a little bit of you know late '90s Seattle and inside of that property. Um, so they packaged that up. So that's the that's. You know, fundamentally, that's kind of where the idea is validated. Like, oh, okay, you can hipster punk. People like that. People want to stay at that. The Ace Hotel in London was like my answer to traveling in London. It's like there's a nightclub here. It's like this is all the music I want to listen to. These are all the people I want to be around. How? What hotel is this cool? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 what culture is cooler than black culture? I can't think of one. I can't think of one. So, a lot, you know, look, on this journey, right, you pitching an idea, you're talking to people about it. Um, people are always like, well, what does that mean? You know, what black culture, what, you know, how's it going to, it's going to be like, you know, Black Panthers on the wall. Or, you know, they ask a lot of, you know, sometimes uh, you know, um, condescending questions about it. Um, but uh, but what's cooler than black culture? And so when, when you got to tie that thread for folks and say, hey, you ever walked to an Ace Hotel? Did you feel like it was punk? Did you feel like it was, you know, rock and roll? Okay, well, what would it feel like if it was black? What would it feel like if it was neo-soul and hip-hop and, um, you know, candles and music and, you know, afros and tattoos and um, dynamic, sophisticated? Uh, When we think about our employees, for example, we don't think that staff members at our properties in the future will 
like you'll have a like a bellman, like you know, a person that only takes your bags to the room and then that's it. We think that person that takes your bags to the room is also capable of answering your questions about what restaurant like to go to for dinner. Because we think black culture is dynamic. It is multifunctional. People just kind of are capable of many things. And so if we hire for that, we'll find that. Um, and then our guests will know that uh, that everybody, you know, talk to everybody. It's a, you know, it's a family environment. We, uh, you know, people ask us, all right, what's your, what's your best example of black culture and hospitality? What's the most? indicative of black culture and hospitality we say the best hospitality experience out there is the family cookout it's like the holiday dinner around the family it feels really good there's a lot of laughter like a lot of people don't think about that as a hospitality experience we think it is how we package that up for you know in a hotel in a hotel lobby so um that's you know and my question is further like how how are you packing packaging that up and i want to know i guess in the the literal, right? So is it something about the bed? Is the bed special? Is the decor special? The wallpaper special? What is making this experience at the more unique? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the art is super important, right? You walk in, you'll feel black culture just by looking on the walls. Again, you'll feel it when you look at staff, especially at our larger property. Um, is the more the largest property? No, the more is, the more is, our, is our sort of beta test with this. It's, a, it's like a six-room in New Orleans, and then a 10-room in New Orleans will open two months after that, and then a 102-room in Oakland will open next year. Um, uh, but we want, you know, comfort to be, you know, sort of naturally a part of it. I think, uh, you know, sort of the the, the sort of uh, best comfort items that you can imagine at a hotel will have them, and and it'd be, you know quality material will really be thoughtful about that stuff. But um, you ever had music welcoming you to your room? Like your first time walking into your room, it's quiet every time. Mm. What would it look like if music welcomed, welcomed mm. you? You know, you need to wake up at five a.m. for a flight. You could call downstairs to the front desk for a wake up call, or music could wake you up for your flight. Um, you know, we've talked to creatives that say. What if, could my room have a photo backdrop in it? You know, what if I, I'm in a city and I want to do headshots or want to do photo shoots for people? Can I just pull down a, a backdrop? And, uh, we're just incredibly thoughtful about what black creative nomads need in the space, and we want to package that up, and we think everybody needs it. If black creative nomads need it, we think everybody needs it. Um, so, yeah, there's there's all kinds of all kinds of examples along, along the way there. Um the books that we think are important for people, we want that on a nightstand just in case you want something to read. The content that we think, video content that we think is uh, important or helpful or good stuff to learn from, we want that loaded into the television already. Like, um, we just want to completely rethink the way to do it. And Yeah. I think what's really interesting and unique about where we are, especially being in Oakland and, like, us just not owning things, not owning space, but wanting to, um, is that we are innovating and we're rethinking ways to create the spaces, create the, the, the tools that we need, and then also making them more accessible to people who look like us. And so I think, you know, what you're doing with this space, with this, it's like, I would want to, I, I would want to stay. I want to stay. I want to be in the hotel lobby with a, a glass <laughs> of red. I need a place to hang out in Oakland. I'm, I want to be at this hotel. Oakland really needs it. Oakland, Oakland, it hell needs it needs so it. bad. Oakland, we were talking about it. it before. It's like, where do you just go and chill and and to engage and meet new people and do those things? It's like I don't always want to go to a bar. 
you know? Yeah. I'd rather just be somewhere that's safe and social and, like, chill. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We, I mean, it's such the time for it. You think about the past, like, couple of months, all the, all the stuff that sort of caught headlines. Like, this is, don't think, like, a black-owned hotel, black-inspired hotel isn't directly linked to, like, the Starbucks issue and, like, a couple, a couple of black guys getting kicked out of Starbucks just for you know kind of sitting there. I'm just like let them, linked. let them push us, push yeah. me away, totally, push me far, far away, <laughs> <laughs> push me, so I can go support my friends, please. But yeah. I mean, I mean that's the thing is with the with these properties as well. Everyone all all there's so many apps being created right now specifically for black people to find black people in a city. So many different kinds. Like, you want to find them based off like what interest points you have or where where you want to go for the day. Blah 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 blah. In Oakland, it's like just go to the hotel. You'll literally find them. They're all there. There's what you know. There's things there that you. Yeah, that's where we'll all be. So it's we, nice. We get a little scared about the idea that in a city like Oakland, you know, sort of capital gentrification. What if we build this thing, but like the only folks left in Oakland are white folks and like mm-hmm. that's who's in our, our property or on a rooftop or something like that. Would suck, but I right? think it, it it's also really special to the people who are coming in. So I just came off of a trip. I flew into London and went to Amsterdam, Barcelona, and I'm like, wow, I just wish that I had an easier entry point to the people I actually want to see and find. Wow. I just wish I could find them easier. Wow. And I think that's something we all want during this experience is to have that access point. Um, especially when it's your first time and you don't know where to start and you don't have friends that you can lean into, you need a space to lean into where you can find them. I've never thought about it like that. I've never thought about the business like that, but that's facts. You need a place to walk into and know the people in this lobby, you should probably introduce yourself to. Come on, these are people you want to be friends with, that you want to hang out with. And so I think that's what I'm most looking forward to when it comes to the launch of The More and then just the other properties you guys have coming. Um, I saw your personal items that you brought in. And so I want to get into a little bit more about you and switch to the things that you brought for your starter kit. Um, So what items did you bring with you today? Um, All right, so I brought a couple of things. Uh... This is a, um, I'm like a millennial that doesn't really have keepsakes at home. Like, you know, I got roommates and yeah, <laughs> I got, it's just like a bedroom. It's not, there's no memory box in there. You know? um, so I took the things off on my wall and brought them as keepsakes. Uh, but uh, this, this one's important to me. A couple of messages, a couple of messages on this that hang right next to my bed and remind me how to think about life. Um, and I would just say that this one is the most important on the, on the page. It says you are a co-creator of your life. Um, I started t- I started therapy a little over a year ago. Uh, my therapist Chanel Armilly uh, introduced me to the concept that like in partnership with God, I'm a co-creator and all, I can manifest all things and you know just sort of a calm approach to things that'll come together. Uh, but you know, true belief in self. Uh, figuring out what trauma you deal with from like when you were two years old and sort of unpacking that, stripping it out. All of that has been a part of this this journey. So these are the kind of things that she helped me put together, put on my wall, remind myself of daily or probably weekly. I don't look at this every day, but <laughs> probably weekly. Um, the four quadrants of my life, you know, career, spirit, my physical and my relationships, the three places that I, that I want you to find me, in the next couple of years, I want you to find me at home. I want you to find me in the office. I want you to find me in the gym. I don't want you to find me anywhere else. 
Frida was in a club last night. That's not on this list at all. <laughs> club is not on the list. <laughs> but home Didn't make office the cut. and gym. Uh, and 25, 25 hours, eight days sort of symbolizes how hard I want to work on, on this homage thing. Like 25 hours a day, eight days a week. I really want to put my all into it and see what comes out of it. Have you put your all into it? Are you working full time and doing this or where are you at with your? Yeah, I'm full time. This is a full time effort. It's been two years. Uh, it's been a crazy kind of two years. It's been complete with, as you know, like some like Uber driving, trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's a full time effort. Um, we raised some capital and been able to pay ourselves and um, and get these things open. So, when reaching back to the therapist that you shouted out, um, I know a lot of friends who are interested in therapy and are having a difficult time finding a therapist. Did you find one on the first match? How did you find them? Um, and how did you assess whether or not it was a co- compatible experience for the both of you? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, she she kind of found me. You know, it was kind of like destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, a recruiter reached out to me right when I left my prior job. Um, and as we talked about, you know, people say that they left their job. It really means they got fired. I got fired from my job. <laughs> <laughs> I left. Clarity. You, know. you I left. You, about, you left with your box <laughs> in a tub. I love saying that to people. Like, oh, man, things yeah, didn't work out, so I got out of there. So I got out of there because they told me to get the fuck out. They told out. me to get out of there. Okay, like, Today's your last day. You know that was the best thing they ever did for me. Like, you know, it's funny how it all comes together. You hear people say that all the time. Somebody's hearing me say that right now. Yeah. Um, and they're like, what? You know, like, I don't want to get fired. That's not the best thing that could happen to me. I, I don't know. It really was. I mm. had been toying with entrepreneurship for a long time, and I needed a kick in the ass to go do it. Um, so, anywho, I get fired. Uh, and Damon, you know, my co-founder grabs me and says, hey, there's this homage idea. I want you to look at it. I want to, you know, get some help. I say, okay, I, you know, I'll help you out. And i am got my one foot in that with him, and then the other foot is, like, talking to recruiters about different job opportunities. Long story long, uh, you know, recruiter takes a liking to me and says, hey, we're going to take a look at you for a role. But even if this role doesn't work out, I want you to meet my sister-in-law. Um, my sister-in-law does like, uh, it's kind of a therapist, but really like an energy consultant. She's going to consult on whether or not your energy is right. So talk to her for a free chat. And if you like each other, then I'm going to pay for your first like three months with her. Yeah. I'm like, this is the craziest lead generation shit I've ever seen. Like, bro, like I'm thinking she wants me to meet her sister-in-law and then it like tell me she's paying for it. And then ultimately I start paying for it. And now I've been scammed, right? No, no. It was weekly calls. I'm taking an hour, two hours of her time every week. Um, this was really like a $3,000 expense that was paid for on my behalf. And it changed, it transformed my life last year. And, and, and now I pay for it. Um, all phone calls. Um, this is, you know, like a older Indian woman in Austin, Texas, that just helps me think about how my energy and whether or not my energy is helpful for manifestation. So mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And I would recommend her to anybody. And I would recommend, you know, if you can't find the therapist that's in your city and affordable and like, look at some over the phone stuff, look at, you know, just get some of the stuff in your head out and yeah. You'll walk away from the conversation. At minimum, the next two hours after the conversation will be the most blissful two hours of your week. And then maybe the day after or the day after that, you'll start to forget some of the stuff you talked about. But no worry. You know, a week later, you'll, you'll be on the phone again. So 
um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, it's no, been, that was helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's been huge. It's been huge. And and you've had experiences here. I mean, I know you went through life coaching, and it's been transformative for you. So, um, is that is there a similar? I haven't had life coaching. I've had energy training, but is it a similar experience when you get your life coached and you get helped in that way? Our previous guest, Adirani Pashakoon, was my life coach, and who we all know. And um, transformative, for lack of better wording, yes. Um, I think the biggest thing is they just make every, and similar to her episode when when she was here, you just make everything, it's, it's all in your court. You're just like, you know what, I'm not actually waiting for anyone or anything. This is all things that I actually have to do. These are all questions that I actually need to answer. And so I think they just, she helped me a lot um, organize my thoughts and empower me to realize that this is what I'm really thinking and this is what I've been avoiding thinking and this is what I've been avoiding doing and so why is that? And filling in those gaps. It's like seeing my gaps and, and then presenting them back to me and then asking me, do you still want to have these gaps or did you want to fill that in? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I would highly recommend anyone just to talk to people. Even if you can't afford friends or therapy, if you are sitting with your friends for 40 minutes and at no point do you have a real conversation about how you're how you are doing in life, like emotionally, your friends aren't shit. That's facts. Your friends are trash. That's facts. And you have trash friends and you need to reassess. If you're not doing it with your family, if you're not doing it where you practice your spirituality, like your life is going to be trash and you will suffer from that. Mm. So you have to figure out who to talk to because it can't just be yourself. Yeah. It's not just you. Yeah. You have to have another wall to back, bounce that off of. I mean, you know, I can go on and on about why that's like a, a serious problem, particularly for black men that don't quite get together for brunch and talk to each other. Mm. Uh, always been jealous of my sisters for just being able to get together and share. I've always been jealous of y'all, but uh, a bunch of black men were at brunch, all conjoined together, talking about their emotions. I'd be at their next table <laughs> sending mimosas to the <laughs> niggas. Just mm, mm, drink all, drink all, just start crying over the mimosas. Get them I niggas want, drunk. Get that them niggas drunk. And take them home. Holy shit, that is so funny. Take one home with you, maybe. <laughs> What was the next thing you brought? <laughs> On that note, what was the next thing you brought? We should do that at the hotel. Like we, you know, if, all right. Look, Listen. here's the offer right now. If a group of four or more black men show up. On Sunday for brunch, mimosas on us as long as y'all are pouring it out, you know. Pouring and it out. Wear some brunch boots, you know, put a hat on as well. We There's want brunch boots. Yeah. Marcus has these motherfucking brunch boots. I got brunch boots. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 where are you going you gotta, to look, brunch? I got to be able to know that you get the deal. So wear the brunch boots so I know that you're part of it. Put a blouse on. But Dude, come in and a just blouse. Feel little, 2019. <laughs> this is happening. A blouse, though. Um, all right, so... So uh, I brought this to again millennial that doesn't. Uh, <laughs> brought your whole room. I brought my room. Okay. <laughs> all his room and deck decorations. This is this this is this uh, is important. It's just like three pictures. Okay. But this is my nephew. I'm talking. It's my only nephew. My sis, my older sister. I've got one sister. She had him. His name is Logan. Logan Hayes. He lives in Detroit. He's uh, three years old now. So that picture is from three years ago. Mm. Uh, this this bottom picture here. Uh, is a fraternity, uh, Knights Fraternity Incorporated. It's only at Howard, uh, where I went to school, and uh, those are those are my brothers there. 
Um, and then the one in the middle is this guy's wedding. This guy's name is Chris Munn. He's my he's my business partner in a different business. Huh? Uh, we bought an apartment building in Michigan. Chris and I together. Um, and I sat at his wedding a few years ago, uh, surrounded by some of the uh, the mentors, the older friends, the guys that are you know four or five years older than me, but welcome me into their into their circle. Uh, the reason why these three pictures go together is they represent uh, important periods in my life. They represent sort of before Howard, at, during Howard, and after Howard. You know, sort of three phases: before Howard, during Howard, after Howard. Uh, before Howard, all these older guys inspired me to go there in the first place. These, again, five years older than me, so when I'm thinking about college or when to go, they invited me to come out to campus, hang out with them. They welcomed me. As, even though I'm younger, they welcomed me as like a brother of theirs and showed me around. And I said, I want to be like them. I'm going to Howard. It changed my life to decide to go to Howard mm-hmm. really seriously. And, of course, during Howard is a fraternity thing. These are, It's not a typical kind of fraternity. We're not stepping or um, doing like too much asshole kind of stuff. I mean, we do a little bit of douchery, but not too much of it. Um, but the, the fraternity is founded, uh, by like 10, 10 gentlemen from the continent, like came from West Africa to go to college in Howard at Howard started the fraternity in 05. I joined in 2010 and, uh, it's just inspired by African culture. And so, you know, a lot of my brothers are from the continent, uh, originally. And then some of us like myself are not, but we just have a different kind of respect for the diaspora. Um, and so that's just been incredibly, I mean, like any people of color out there that aren't quite in tune with what's going on in like West Africa, Sub-Saharan, South Africa, like East Africa, you know, try to tune in because it's, it's lit. It's beautiful. It's, you know, to go to a place. My first time ever leaving the, the United States was to go to Ghana in 2010. Mm. I spent two weeks in Ghana. It was the first time ever leaving the United States. To go to a place where every single thing is run by a person of color. Like the store and then the government was crazy. Like it was crazy, you know. Like the bus is driven by somebody of color, and then that big palace, like somebody like of color lives in there too. So you know that's the kind of inspiration that I needed, and that's what the frat helped me helped introduce me to. Uh, and then after Howard, uh, my nephew was born shortly thereafter, and so when I needed the inspiration on this journey and to keep going when I get fired, stuff like that, like. I'm doing this kind of for him. I don't have a child of my own, so I kind of co-opt my sister's child. <laughs> you know, it's the real, it's the easiest way to have yeah. a have a child in your life is to just be an uncle. Yeah. No real get responsibility. Yeah, it's just get him, give him back. Get him, give him back. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought not one diaper for the kid, but love him to death. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, not a narrow one. <laughs> not a narrow one. I think what's interesting, I, a critique I used to always hear about. Um, historically black universities and just predominantly black spaces is that, well, that's not really a depiction of the world because, you know, there aren't places where there's just black people. And, And in older, in my older age, I'm just like, there's a whole ass continent with predominantly black people. So it's always so in, you know, with you crafting homage in in the idea that you know all people will be invited and welcome and will want to come, but it is a black space. It's so interesting. People always push back on the idea of predominantly black movies, spaces. You know that it's not universal, and it's like, but uh, you know we are universal people. Black people are literally everywhere. Right. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah, that's facts. You know, 
What did you enjoy most about going to Howard and being in a predominantly black space? The, the diversity that people said didn't exist. Mm. I mean, you know, like people from everywhere. You know, I didn't have like a beef patty before I went to Howard. I never tasted a beef patty. Life changed when you have a beef patty. <laughs> Damn, what? some cocoa bread. You know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so the diversity of, of, of all of that is huge. Um, the empowerment of that space, you know, to have some black skin, but folks to tell you, like, hey, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is huge for me. So um, I don't too much get engaged with, like, the PWI versus HBCU debate. I, you know, I understand both sides of it. Frankly, I think a lot of folks from HBCUs or, or from Howard or anywhere else, uh, we we sort of uh, – day one of that experience were like throwing it in people's faces and i try not to be a part of that but i probably was a part of it you know anybody that didn't go to howard was like you're missing out you know like hey relax like it's kind of boring here too (laughs) we're still going to school we're still going to school you know this is you know we're all broke here too like um and so i thought there was just a lot of gloating uh associated with our culture that we didn't really need to do and so that pushed people away and it drew divisions between the two spaces I understand why that gloating exists also, that people are incredibly proud to be there and have made that decision, you know, in their life to go to HBCU. So I understand why the gloating is there, but we we could have done and we could continue to do a better job at bringing it down a level and remind, and telling everybody that's not there, like, hey, it's fun, but it's also, you know, here's what's wrong with it. You know, we're trying to figure it out just like you are. Um, but, yeah, you know, I enjoyed the diversity. I enjoyed the empowerment and the opportunities and all of that. It was huge for me. Changed my life changed my life. I want to talk about other people's money. Let's talk about OPM. Securing the bag. OPM. Other people's money. You don't know dogs. You don't know That's OPM. I didn't know it was a song. It's you. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a whole song. Shout out to Jaren because he knows. Don't kid me. Oh. That's kickback music right there. It's the ultimate kickback music. Watermelon Sunday. Huh? <laughs> you don't know what it's none good, of this should be. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I don't know any of this Shout music. Shout out to the people who know who Dom Kennedy is. They yeah. know that they my Watermelon Sunday. I don't really want Dom to be huge. I don't want him to be like a, like a Kendrick Lamar or nothing. I want him to just stay... Something I turn on in my living room, you know, just stay right there. Stay right there. I hate to limit your opportunity, (laughs) brother, but I just want you to stay. Because, you know, if he get too big, then we're going, you know, features with Drake, all type of shit. You know, I don't want to do it. Exactly. You know, I want Dom to just make a mixtape every two years. 60,000 people listen to it. And us 60,000 form a real bond. Exactly. A real bond. And that's it. We had the shows rapping every word. Don't take me, clearly, because bitch don't know none of these words. <laughs> I don't know this. But you know about other people's money. You do know about OPM, no? I'm trying to learn more. That's facts. We about to take this to a whole new level. It's a look with dot us. You hear me? Dot us. Dot us. Dot us. All us. So we've talked about this before. I love what you said previously, which was you've seen the 1%. They're not better than us. They're not smarter than us. They're not more educated than us. They're not even nicer people. Mm-mm. They don't have better shoes than us. No, they might, depending on. But in in actuality, we could also be the one person. We could also be people with incredible amounts of wealth and and access to wealth and these things. And 
So in dealing with your previous job, which is venture capitalism, yeah, and now securing the bags to finance these hotel properties, how do you, I don't even know how to begin to get in contact with people with lots of money? What I would even say to them? Hi, give me the bag. <laughs> I feel like that probably wouldn't work. So Toss me the bag. With you being the bulldog that you are, securing the Long. securing the bag. I said pit bull. No, no, pit bull, pit bull no, bulldog. Yeah. You want to be Jeremy Shepard? Whatever you want to be, right? Like whatever you want to be. Like Rottweiler. So yeah, what what would be your tips on on securing the bag on other people's money? You know, it's a broad question. Yeah, there. it's such an important question, yo. I mean. It's, it's, it's because I've worked in those spaces. I worked on the other side of the table that I know uh, capital is just a tool. Capital is just a tool to help. Like, if you use it the right way, you might mess up when you use it. That's just the way capital works. You might get into a capital contract that ain't quite the best contract, and then before you know it, your business got snatched from you just because you, you, know, you didn't execute, people didn't buy your thing, you ran out of money, you owe people money, whatever. Um, but... Nonetheless, it's a tool to grow your thing. Um, and I'm hard-pressed to find a long list of people that owned 100% of their thing when they got to an incredible outcome, like a exit, you know, sold their business, became rich from it, that kind of thing. Let's be, you know, we're in this business thing to kind of uh, take care of ourselves and our families long-term. Um, so when you don't own 100% of your thing, then you probably use capital as a tool. And I just think, like, you know, for our community especially, we got to sort of change the narrative and open up to those tools being able to heart. We can harness those tools, work with them, and uh, and let it launch us. Uh, but in order to find those tools, in order to find the rich people and all of that, uh, it, it certainly starts with, like, your, your, your personal network. Um for us, it didn't start with family and friends. People always talk about family and friends helping you out. They won. There were no family and friends for us. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's just, you know, check to check, figuring it out. So no one we could go to to really get, you know, get a dollar day one. Um, but there were like the, you know, the former bosses or um, former colleagues at work or, um, you know, some some degree of mentors like, the, you know, the people that fall outside of that initial sphere of family and friends, those folks certainly were willing to hear hear us out and then hear us out and then make an introduction to somebody else and make an introduction to somebody else. And then before you knew it, somebody's like, OK, I'll buy I'll buy five percent of your thing for this amount of money. Um and yeah, you know, you take those checks. I mean, twenty thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, like that. That kind of stuff helps you pay yourself, pay for things, get stuff going, and then you got a partner long term in the journey. Um, they just own a piece of your business and kind of are there to help you long term. So it was huge for us, and I think it can be huge for all of the black creatives out there to have amazing ideas to start to be thoughtful about how to fund those ideas, get them out in the world. So for those of us who don't have a finance background, um, I think the place that we always think to start is a budget. Um, but is that the place to start? Do I need to just start by documenting what I'm spending now? Like how how do you switch to that growth mindset and saying this is what I will need and this is how I will use it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, use of funds, you know, uh, it's about like reaching for the stars and what you what you want. Like what do you want, you know, for street salad or for it's a look? Like what do you want 
the next two years to look like? What kind of milestones do you want to hit over the next two or three year period? Once you figure out the milestones, like there's, there's how many eyeballs I want to reach or, you know, um, how many experiences I want to have. What's the cost of each one of those? Put a 20%, 30% buffer on all of those milestones and then go out and tell people like this, how much I need, you know, and that's it. Like you take that money and you pay for your things. You got your buffer, you pay yourself. Like you just, you, you pay off your debt. Like you might have like a little bit of debt and you try to work on something, pay it off. So you can be like free to do your thing. Like that's what this is about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it it's a form of you know privilege that sure. that we can we can access. And I think it's also like writing down that number, right? Like establishing a number. Not saying like I need money, but saying like I need a hundred thousand dollars. That makes it so much more real than just saying I need money. Because you have no idea how much you need or what you're gonna do with it and and then nowhere to look for it or nowhere to reach, right? Yeah. Because you don't know what you're reaching for. You're just like reaching. And there might be some money right over here yeah. if you knew how much you were actually looking for. Hundred percent. Well, you know exactly how much you looking for to point you right in the like. Okay, who can who can stomach this amount? Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, how many creators do we know collectively that don't know that thing that they're working on is probably worth like a couple million dollars? Yeah. You know, like it's worth just idea stage. It's worth two million. How did you? How did you all figure out that this idea was worth money? Talking to rich people, and they were like, hey, I want a piece of it. Um, that's huge. Um, and I know Damon somewhere shaking his head if he hears that, because for him, it's like he knew this was worth money when he came up with it. <laughs> like, he knew, you know, he didn't need to talk to no rich people. You know, for me, I'm like, I'm like a little strategist. I'm like, let me, how do I, yeah. you know? So I'm like, oh, the rich people, oh, oh look at that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Damon, day one, he knew, like, nah, that's it. This is it. Um, so, yeah, it starts with the confidence. They want your thing that what you got is a thing. And then it's going to help when people validate it. Um, people validate that can write you checks. People validate it that want to be a customer. You know, you do some pre-sales and they sell out. Like All that type of stuff is validation. And then, um, yeah, it tends to lead, lend itself to being like a day one, $2 million opportunity. And then it just scales from there. Um, and so, yeah, we're inspired by like, you name it, startup, you name it, founder, particularly black founders that have uh, grown big businesses, raised tons of money, changed their life and their family's life. Some of them are very close friends of mine. And uh, we see that and we, uh, you know, we sort of pace ourselves to, okay, this is the route here. So you can talk to here. Okay. And we're just learning it as we go because they're figuring out as they go too. You see a press release, you see somebody in like black enterprise or something. Those people are still figuring it out. And so are we. Um, so, yeah. That's the thing that you're figuring out right now. What's the current, um, maybe you don't have to be as detailed on the pain point, but just in entrepreneurship, something that you're struggling with that you think would be valuable for someone else to hear? Yeah. Um, uh, um, this project is for the culture. Uh, homage is for the culture, for the people. And when, you, when you're working on something that's truly authentic to you, truly for the people, where are you from? Like, you, we want to inspire people that look like us, that type of thing. We're currently met with a, do we continue the sort of creative project approach of this thing? The uh, 
the heart space approach? Or do we turn to a capital driven approach where we're like, all right, let's launch in like 10 cities in the next three years? Oh, so like the mom and pop versus like the. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you spend time curating this special thing? Or do you take, and those people have come to us talking about, hey, let's go. Let's get a homage in every city. Yeah, let's go. And we're like, oh, wow, for real, you know? So, um, uh, really tough and continue to figure that out. And, uh, yeah, if anybody's got advice for me on that, uh, reach out and share that advice with me. But um, that's tough. That's a tough one. Because you've seen success happen on both sides of that. You've seen folks pick either side of that fork in the road and be successful. I mean, well, when you scale, right, you can have more impact, right? So McDonald's can have huge McDonald's charities and McDonald's All-American games, right? But then it's like, but there's a McDonald's everywhere, and then it's not always as personal. But then if you look at, like, your local mom and pop, like your local mom and pop, you have the people who work there are really taken care of, and the people who eat there, what about the people who can't ever make it? Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's it's a weird conundrum, really difficult to figure out. Yeah. Um, because we've been we've been operating from that heart space since we started it. But as momentum comes, so the the opportunity to go and do a bunch at the same time. So you said that this was for the culture and for the people. Um, and I think I think one thing I've personally struggled with is when I'm creating something for the people, how much does it cost and how much do I expect the people to st- to pay and and then that barrier to who can get in and who can't um so how are you all addressing that with your hotel what price point are you looking at currently who's it for when we're talking money yeah 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 um uh, all kinds of different price points you know it, it sort of depends on the market and what that particular local market can charge on an overnight stay um uh, but when we when we talk about spaces being dynamic and our people being dynamic, we want the hotel to reflect that. So we've already thought through what a hotel plus hostel concept in the same building looks like so that the black creative nomad that's a bit of a backpacker can find a bunk bed in our space. Uh, but then also like the business traveler that wants their own space to just sort of stretch out. They can do that. Um, and, yeah, we want to find ourselves at like market rate for the best lifestyle hotel, boutique hotel experiences around the country. Those are like a $200 a night, $250 a night experience uh, for those standard rooms. Um, but then we're, we continue to be thoughtful about um, sort of how to how to go down the scale and, and uh, get folks inside of our property at a lower price point for whatever kind of experience. If it's an overnight stay or if it's just like a cup of coffee, we... Uh, continue to be thoughtful about that and uh, one of our mantras is like making sure that we we hire our neighbors so every city we're going in is um uh, we're not we're not like looking to hire transplants and uh gentrifiers to be staff members at our properties we want uh the folks that have been around it the folks that have been committed to the neighborhood for decades that's who we want running places um and that's a way to uh to 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 bring different socioeconomic backgrounds into the property and to reap the benefits of it. So, um, so yeah, continue to try to figure that out, but we're, we're looking to, we're, we're looking to be, uh, you know, a beautiful experience for people and get paid as a, you know, uh, consistent with that kind of experience. Sure. Yeah. You had previously mentioned that during your entrepreneurship journey, you, what did you learn that I love that you said, 
You said that you learned that getting fired from your job was the best thing that happened to you. Yeah. Um, what are three tips or, you know, Frida's leaving her job soon. What are, what are some tips or takeaways that you can offer to people who are thinking about making that transition or making that transition currently? Even in taking the turn towards entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an entrepreneurship loyalist. I don't believe that this is for everybody. I, I concur. Why don't enough people say that shit? Like, why don't you enough know? Enough people don't say that shit. You know, people are I'm always like, like, this is the best thing ever. No. Like, don't. Shut up. Everybody doesn't have to do their own thing. <laughs> no, not at all. Everyone cannot do their own thing because if I got my thing, I'm going to need somebody to help me. I need help. Hey. We can't all be entrepreneurs. Can help. I Can I get them wage earners out here? I Let's go, baby. somebody me. to be on this Okay, so that's what we all are saying. Okay. I am not a loyalist, yo. I mean, it used to give me so much anxiety when I was in job. You know, like, like I'm in a job and somebody's out there like, oh, you're missing out on the biggest thing ever. What the fuck? What are they doing? What did they figure out? You know, so uh, I don't want to sign. I want. I don't want to be a part of that. um, That narrative out there. I think it's a. It's a personal journey. You got to kind of fill it out, figure it out for yourself. Uh, And if you decided that it's for you, you know jump leap like it's like there's land yeah there's land over here there's an ocean in the middle of it and there apparently is land on the other side of the said ocean. to be there's said to be i don't really know what's over there i'm still in choppy still water looking at the water <laughs> yeah. but you gotta be in the water you gotta go get in the fucking water and like see what's over there sink or swim sink or swim jump Yes, jump. You don't know everything. You don't know what you're doing. We're all figuring it out. If they're on an article about some some business, money, whatever type of stuff, they are still figuring it out. Yes. So believe in your ability to figure it out yeah. is my is my super big uh big key. What's your what's your, what's your sort of second? What's your what's to your big key? budding entrepreneurs who are actually made for it? Look, you got a big business. You got a thing. It's a look is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. you're hosting a comedian sort of comedian uh, business or endeavor is mm-hmm. a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're the next Frida, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what's uh with these kind of things that you're still figuring out? But like, look at this shit. I mean, like, look at the background. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Um, I think I'm really strong at identifying what I'm not good at. Um, I've tried to focus on what I'm actually really strong at and then where I'm not strong, I find someone who is. Um, and then where I'm strongest, um, but maybe it's not what I want to do, I'll find someone who's even better at that task than me. Um, so I think the advice that I would give is, yeah, know your strengths and your weaknesses. Be openly communicative about them. We had to write something today, like from the both of us, Jenna and I. I was like, Jenna, I'm not writing this shit. I have terrible handwriting. You write it. Let's write. We can co-write it together, but I'm not writing it. Um, And I like to leave space for me to do the things that are going to make me feel valuable to the group that I'm in or make me feel valuable to myself. So that's something that I think a lot of people need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learn your strengths and your weaknesses. So important to working with a team of people. I think for me, if there is one thing that I've learned, um, especially recently in testing the expansion of Street Salad and expanding outside of one person, 
Um, you really have to, if you found the right people that you drive with energetically, then you have to empower them to, to do whatever they think the thing is with your brand, right? And, and allow, and sit back and watch because that is the communication, that is the expansion, that is what it is at its root, Outside of what you can do for it, outside of the passion and energy you give to it because you birthed it, to see someone else do it and put their own passion and energy into it and make it their thing, like that is what the what you want at its root. And and so that's how you figure out how to to multiply and to get more people involved in the movement. So make room for other people, even though it feels very uncomfortable. It's so hard. you're just like is this person going to come through are they going to do it is it going to look good is it going to feel right who's going to come you have so many questions like rather than asking all those questions and answering yourself just allow time allow the narrative allow the test to produce those answers yep and then innovate and and iterate from there yeah these things will take on a life of their own and every person involved with it will take on a journey of their own, and uh, yeah, letting it, allowing it to do that is is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna fuck some shit up. You are gonna ruin some shit. It's gonna be awful. Facts. Don't punish yourself for that. Just pivot. Okay, you made the wrong step. It's like in basketball, right? If you make the wrong step, defender comes up to you. You don't just drop the ball. You don't just go, oh, well, never mind. I'm just not going to take the shot. No, pivot. Move in a new direction. Euro step around that bitch. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> Get over them. Everything. Like you are, something is going to come up in front of you. This journey is not, it's, you are, you're swimming and there is a shark next to you. Like it's about to come and get you. You better, you better side swim. You better go and get somewhere and find, find something else. I'm serious. People punish themselves so much. And it's like, I give myself five minutes to talk shit about myself. You get five minutes. You'd be like, all right. I set the timer. I'm like, okay, well, that was terrible. And you shouldn't have said that. And you were being your lesser self. And I hope they want to talk to you again because you were really acting up. And then after that five minutes, oh, I, go, I go, okay, you're not that person anymore. So who do you want to be? Because yeah. if you are out here punishing yourself, you will never make it as an entrepreneur. Look, did, you mentioned swimming. Uh, I just learned this from a, a friend of mine, Deshaun Amira, who runs Maven, uh, that this journey, especially in the earliest days, you're swimming in this ocean, uh, and you might think you're moving. You're not really moving that much, but you're swimming. You you know, moving my arms, I'm trying to swim. <laughs> this This will totally be about waves coming to you that push you closer to that land on the other side. And those waves come from people involved in love and relationships involved in your journey, invested in you, that care about you, um, that at the right time, at the right moment, kind of send that intro email, introduce you to somebody, get you to plug, whatever. Everybody on the entrepreneurship journey, everybody talks about this like, the moments, it ain't even this moment. It's a collection of moments. And it'll give you life. And you might go two weeks without one. Two, three weeks, it'll be shitty. It'll be like, damn, am I moving? You know, like, tired as hell. I'm tired. I'm tired, tired fam. I need a rest. I need a rest. <laughs> what the fuck? 
Am I against the tide? Am I swimming with the tide or against the tide? I just must not be swimming at all. Man, and then yeah. when you get that joke, if you believe in higher power like me, if you, you know, whatever, whatever you believe in, like when you get that joke, you get that wave and you feel it, that is evidence that you are, you're doing it like this is a valuable journey. Keep going. So when you get, when the email come through, just go like, oh, and then just chill for a second. Just like let that, just breathe on that. Mm-hmm. What I'm a victim of, I'll get the wave, I'll get the moment. And I'm like, shit, where the other moment at? I'm like a junkie for it. You know, like, shit, let's get another one. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to chill and be like, okay, thank you. know, say thanks and see when the next one comes. And they'll um, come. Yeah. All of this, what we just talked about, is just trust. Trust yourself. Because if you don't trust yourself, no one's going to give you any money. You can't pitch to someone, uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of think this is a good idea. Nigga, get the fuck off my table. Nigga, what are you talking? You trying to get some cash from me? You don't know what you're talking about. But isn't that fundamentally like at odds with uh, black identity? Isn't uh, the idea that you're confident and mm. you sell your thing? Isn't like that's what I struggled with day one. It was like, don't I have to be authentic and tell the truth? And so if somebody asks me what I'm working on and why is it important, I'm like, uh, it's just this little thing. You know, I'm right. just being honest. I'm right. just, but. In, the, in this world, it is like a confidence finesse game. Swagger. It's, it's totally finesse. Yeah. And, and swagger. Like, My thing is, if you're asking me something, I'm going to tell you I'm the answer. Yeah. I'm not good. What? Yeah. You're asking me. You came, you came to me. You're here. You agreed to do this meeting. You see something. I see something. The answer. I'm the answer. Yeah. That black people are very, especially in this country, is a lot of black women, you know, oh, she's very um, opinionated or she is, uh, I don't know, what do they be saying to me? They just say some something ridiculous. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's okay to be confident. It's okay to wake up and really be like, I am amazing. Yes. Sometimes someone asked me recently at work, like, how did you do that? I was like, I'm magical. Have you never heard of black girl magic? Look it up. It's a whole hashtag. That's she was like, are you serious? I was like, yes. I'm literally walking magic. People need to know that. Yeah, that's facts. That's super facts. About themselves, not about me. They can, they'll know. They'll figure it out about me, but also know it about yourself. You're magic. This hotel is about to be magic. All of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're doing this. We're doing this at a time where, like, the president of the United States, the only reason why he's president, the only reason why anybody knows his name is because he opened up hotels. But when he did it, yeah. he was being like a con man, or a.k.a. a confidence man. Uh, but but he was doing it in an authentic way. He was like literally going around lying to people. Uh, we're excited to be opening up hotels with confidence, buoying. We've got confidence at our foundation, mm-hmm. but authenticity at, you know, sort of at the surface, at the core. We're going sure. to be honest about the entire journey, you know. Mm-hmm. You want to know how much money is in our business right now? You can ask me. I'll tell you. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, like, you know, it's incredibly special to just do this in a time where somebody like that did it his way. We're going to do it our way. We're going to do it our authentic way. So we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, the thing that we're looking forward to is the more. So where is that opening up? When is it opening up? And then how else can we keep up with hospitality and homage? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you. Um, so yeah, the more the more is uh first weekend in July, Essence Festival weekend, folks will be staying with us in New Orleans. Are you taking uh, bookings? Yeah, we're taking bookings online right now, stayhomage.com, www.stayhomage.com. It's like pay homage, it's stayhomage.com uh, and you and you'll see an opportunity to book there. 
Um, uh, and then, the, you know, second property in New Orleans, the Freeman uh, in the Treme neighborhood will open up a couple months from now. Uh, but we'll do something special at the Freeman around Essence Festival weekend. It'll allow people an opportunity to come and vibe and chill, meet good people uh, during that kind of weekend, which is important for black culture. Uh, so if you if you all are in town, please let me know. I don't quite know if you guys are coming, but if you are, we got space for you. Um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, uh, Instagram is, you know, stay homage and uh, follow the journey and new property announcements in Oakland and Detroit and um, a, a number of other places. And yeah, we're going to kind of take this thing to the moon if we can. Shit, it might be a homage on the moon. Might be a motherfucking homage on the moon. Yeah. 2030, homage on the moon. <laughs> Great. We're manifesting things. He told us that before we started. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really proud of you. I appreciate it. I'm super proud of you both. I mean, I, you know, I love the both of you. Um, so, yeah, man. It's a look with dot us. You hear me? And, uh, and streetsalad.co. That's where we at. Shout out! Yeah! Shout out! Mark has been a real one since since we met. Since we met. And that, my friends, is another episode of It's a Look. It's a wrap. Hey, friends. What up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of It's a Look with Frida and Jenna. We're excited to stay in touch with you. Follow us on Instagram at It's a Look with us and online It's a Look with us. Comments, questions, reviews, go ahead and send us some in-mail, P.O. Box 22002 in Oakland, California, 94623. New episodes of It's a Look drop every Monday on all visual and listening platforms. If you're interested in tuning into the podcast, join us at 8 a.m. every single Monday for our release. Or if you're a visual person and you want to watch the video, Go ahead and join us on YouTube. We drop at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every Monday. We'll see you there.